Welcome to Hub 17, Lululemon's community space. Hey, yes. give it up Lululemon. I am Frankie French. And I am Stephen Campbell. And this is Lululemon Presents, the, the nonprofit. Added that at the last minute, and I don't know it yet. Well, so the band never showed up, okay? And so here we are making our own music. That's our theme song, um, by the way. Yeah, we got this podcast where we uh, talk to a bunch of different nonprofits, and so typically we will highlight specific social environmental issues and then highlight organizations working to alleviate those social issues. Or change agents. Or I change like that agents. word. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we love, right? Everyone nods like, ooh, change yeah, yeah. agent. Right, because it feels like they're changing some stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like it. The buzzier the word, the harder the it better. Comes. Yeah, but today we're gonna do something a little bit different and a lot of fun. It's gonna get deep. We may cry, we may laugh, we don't know, but it's gonna be good, right? It's gonna be good. Yeah. We're talking mental health in this motherfucker. Oh no! Hey. Is anyone on the verge of losing their shit? Let's be honest. Hey, okay, hey. good. All right. Okay, good. That's if, you didn't, if you didn't raise your hand, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're a dirty liar. Yeah. Also, just so you know that about yourself. I think if you were not going crazy, then you're a little bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you're the craziest if yeah. you're not <laughs> right. losing it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a great time. We have a fantastic guest who we are super excited to bring on. Uh, her name is Ali Maz. I don't know if you guys give it up for Ali real quick. Hey, yes. hey, hey, hey. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting episode because typically what we like to do is do a lot of research on the different topics that we're doing and and be as close to expert Sneeze. as we can by the time we get there. It's me, Stephen, subject matter expert. Right, right. Sorry, I, I said plural, but what I meant was Frankie becomes an expert. <laughs> I'm just a dumb dude in a chair next to her. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> um. <laughs> But with this mental health joint, it is a thing that transparently we're going through it right now. A lot of people are going through it right now. So we didn't we thought it seemed disingenuous to come to you guys and pretend that we were experts in the space. Or that we knew anything at all. That we, yeah, right. <laughs> I it, a couple months ago I tried to feed a pigeon spaghetti. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's 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 where I've been. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> That happened in real life. I made spaghetti down in my apartment. I said, the, the pigeons are going to love this shit. <laughs> and that's, that's where I was at one point a couple months ago. <laughs> so for me to even try to be the expert is, is, is silly. I've been, been very big on the DIY mental health. A hundred percent. And not really DIYing it. I think we've been more so... Uh, what was the word you used the other day, and then I appropriately corrected you? Do you remember? Uh, it happens incessantly. It does. Okay, <laughs> but we were talking about... Um, you were saying how you kind of push through stuff. Sure. But you use a specific word. But anyway, like a lot of us, we, don't go, we'll, we won't go to therapy or we'll go, but maybe not enough. And we'll think we're pushing through or, or surviving a thing. And really what we're doing is just compartmentalizing and just kind of smushing it down. Oh, this is terrible. Huh. I don't have time to deal with that. Yeah. Smush. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I'll put that inside of my daddy issues box. You know what I mean? So sure. this is an opportunity for us. We're going to share some stories with you guys about our mental health journeys and then we're going to talk to the expert um, about different ways that we could cope and tools that we can use to help ourselves feel better in some of our most vulnerable moments. Sound sure. good, guys? Hell yeah. Because yeah. the, uh, the DIY mental health thing, it, it's, it's a lot like learning to read by candlelight. 
Like, yes. You know what I mean? Like, like you could probably do it. And some exceptional people have done it. But you got Duolingo, dog. Like, there's <laughs> like there's other ways to learn how to read. Like, you should you should use the tools that are at your disposal. And so, For yeah, sure. uh, like like Frankie said, uh, we are early on the mental health journey. And so we thought we'd talk a little bit about some of the heavy traumas that we've dealt with, some of the lighter jokes and lighter stories about how we're trying to deal with it and how we. Uh, we're dealing right now, and then we'll start talking to Allie and figure out uh, some better tools to, to work with. How does so, that sound? That sounds great. Tell, nice. your, tell your story, Steve. Um, so, yeah, right, <laughs> off the, right off the bat, uh, my first friend that I ever had was... This is going to get real deep real fast. I just want to give a quick disclaimer. <laughs> right, right. We're about to swim. Put your, put your go-go boots on. We're about to swim, Seat ladies. Belt on. So, <laughs> first friend that I ever had was shot to death in his living room in seventh grade, Right. I don't know how to transition into this. It happened very abruptly for him, too. <laughs> and so, um, from, for, so that happened in seventh grade. And then for, in a 10-year span, I lost 23 friends. Uh, everything from gang to heroin to uh, military, DUI, lots of, of, of death, right? And to the point that when, when I have a vivid memory of being a sophomore in college and looking around an auditorium full of misty-eyed students as a child soldier was telling them about all the friends that he had lost. And all I could think was, I got this motherfucker beat. <laughs> right? like, that, that, I was, that was the only thought that I was like, I should be giving this talk because I've got more than this child soldier. So if you're thinking that while a child soldier is talking about mass destruction, you're not doing well. You yeah. need to talk to someone professional immediately. Right. And then how many years later did that take? Um, I, I'm, I'm seven weeks into therapy. So, yes. this, was, so this, this started uh, when I was in seventh grade. And so um, I always had to give eulogies. That was my joint. Like, I, I gave so many eulogies. Like, I was really hot on the eulogy circuit back in Simi Valley, California. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just a thing where... Uh, I got 23 friends that died, and most of them were heroin addicts, so, like, I was the only motherfucker that could get on stage and say something to people that... And and honestly, like, comedy's not very easy, but when you have a crowd full of people that are grieving, you can make them laugh. (laughs) It's so easy, and it's like shooting fish in a barrel, except you shouldn't talk about shooting, because he got shot, right? And so... (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> but so um, I just got real good at eulogies. Like I had a word template. That's such a weird thing to be good at. Yeah. Like, on my resume, yes, PowerPoint check. Yeah. Eulogies, yes. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it's like a PowerPoint slide of just like <laughs> just fill in the picture, fill in the person. Um, it, to the point that I, I was giving eulogies for for people that I didn't even know because I was just getting invited to do it because they were just everyone was a heroin addict. And so uh, if you want a tip on how to write a good eulogy. It is a story about the person. What is a characteristic that's represented from that story that then people can take off into their life to remember that person forever. Boom. Oh, wow. Thank yeah. you for that eulogy writing lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we won't need it anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> you may not laugh, but you'll learn something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was, that was, uh... How do you think that affected you, though, kind of moving forward into I only, I only cried life? three times in a 10-year period. Got it. Um, so you're a monster and you're dead inside. Okay, yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, right, more or less, right? <laughs> um, but it was just this thing that when, when something bad would happen to me, my vice was I would go find somebody hurting more and I would go fix them. Um, you know, whether to fix in, in quotations <laughs> because I was just fucking myself up more. Um, 
but so that was that was the thing was that was and that was initially or the catalyst that eventually got me going to therapy was like you know six years is a long time not to cry um and so that was kind of what started me on this mental health journey and it is something that uh why i'm very excited to continue this conversation uh once we get ali up but frankie Tell them a little bit. <laughs> tell them a little bit about. Uh, oh, no. Let me let me deflect out of my shit. Uh, so, <laughs> so the story is funny to me now, but it may not be funny to all of you. But so when I was fourteen, uh, my mother. So let's rewind just a little bit. My mom uh, gave me away when I was born. Um, well, she didn't give me away. She just had me and then left me in the hospital. Um, I'm fine. And then my <laughs> she got out of the hospital. I did. I got out of the hospital. So, but my gra- <laughs> barely. My grandmother came and got me, and so she raised me, right? Which is important to the story. So, but there were periods in my mother's real life where she would need help because she was had se- severe mental health issues. Um, she had schizoaffective disorder, uh, bipolarism, severe narcissism, and uh, personality disorder. Yikes. But anyway, um, so (laughs) there would be periods where she just couldn't handle her life or manage anything. So my grandmother and I would come down from New York to Virginia and live with my mom and my siblings, and my grandma would help her with her life. Does that make sense a little bit? Okay, cool. And we'd stay for maybe a month, two, a week, whatever, and then go back to New York. So this is on one of the occasions when I was um, in the home with my mom, and Rewind another little bit. When I was eight years old, she tried to murder-suicide me by taking a handful of pills and then putting me in the car with her and then driving at very high rates of speed. It's fine. She's dead. I won. So, but my <laughs> point is... My, my point is... <laughs> see how we can all laugh at that? So, <laughs> my, what is it? Tragedy plus time equals comedy. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So, fast forward to me being 14 and uh, dealing with my own issues of being grossly assaulted by an uncle and no one knowing what was going on with me and thinking, oh, she's a bad kid. And really, it was just that I was in a very bad situation and none of the adults wanted to acknowledge it. And so, my mom tricked me into signing myself into a mental health facility, an inpatient facility. She's like, I, just, I think you should just go and talk to this person and just want to have a conversation, but you have to sign this paper. Me being for, I'm like, oh, okay, mom, I trust you. Why? <laughs> right. Had no evidence or reason to. So I sign it, and then they're like, you can't leave. So my first week there, we would get, we were on the, this color scheme. So red when you first start, and then like orange, yellow, green, and like the, the higher the color, the more freedoms and benefits and amenities you got, Right. And I had been, like, really keeping my head down and working really hard to get to, like, this next level. And But the doctors would mess with you, and they would deny you things to see how you would react, right? Was it Scientology or no? Right? I don't know. No, none of it was legit. Like, they were on Dateline a couple of years after that. Like, I'm not even kidding. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not even joking. I don't know if you can look it up now, but, like, they were literally on Dateline for being this, like, horrific like fake mental health center. Oh wow. Yeah, it's insane. So um and yeah, and there were like commercials like if you've been to Springwood, you like, you know, you may oh, shit. So earn compensation. Kind of stuff? It's like on some oh, me- right. mesothelioma, yeah. So <laughs> 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 So I had been working super, super hard to like just get to a point where I could have a little more freedom and not just be trapped in my room. And I was super excited to go to my meet my evaluation 
And they decided that I was going to be one of the kids that they would mess with. And they're like, yeah, we just don't think you're ready. And I didn't really, I just started questioning, like, well, can we talk about it? And, like, tell me why and, and give me some notes. And they just were not having it. Next thing I know, I have seven men, huge dudes, tackling me, like, beating me up. Yeah, put it, they shot me up with Thorazine. Put me into an actual body bag. I'm 14 years old. And Thorazine. Thorazine is a tranquilizer, like a very heavy uh, psychotropic tranquilizer. Um, And put me in an actual body bag and put me in this room. And apparently, I might be a superhero because I broke out of the body bag (laughs) (laughs) on Thorazine, which is like not possible. I broke out of the room and I was just, I found the dining room where everyone was at at that point. And for whatever reason, I just started snatching chunks of ham (laughs) off of everyone's plate. Which is one of the side effects of Thorazine they don't talk about. They don't have it on the label. It's so weird. You got an appetite for swine. And I'm just like (laughs) eating chunks of ham while running from the orderlies through like, like in like, what did you call it? Like a Benny Hill joint. Yeah, like a Benny Hill situation. Yeah, it was totally that. I was like hiding under chairs and hiding under tables and getting in a cabinet and like popping out, grabbing more ham. And then apparently, and funny thing, I to this day will sleep eat sometimes. Like I'll wake up, not even kidding, with a mouthful of food. Like I don't even, where did this Oh, it's pretty good. How mm-hmm. do you how what has it done to your relationship <laughs> with ham? Um <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. Um that's <laughs> that's what it's done. <laughs> but I remember the next day calling my mom and begging her, like telling because they dislocated my kneecap. Like my kneecap was sitting over here. Oh damn. Yeah, and, and, like, no one would, they wouldn't take me to the hospital, nothing, or it's my right knee, actually, which I still have problems with because of that. Um, but, yeah, it's a banana story, and I just feel like it could have been handled a lot better. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, was, that, was that too deep? That, that was, it was... How are we, how are we feeling? Let's are, check are we in good? with the audience. Let's do a temperature, a temp check. We good? We're good? Okay. We good? All right, cool. awesome. We, uh, yeah, we just figured we'd kind of give a little bit of a basis of where we started in these mental health journeys, and we'll kind of, uh, we'd love to bring Allie up. Can yeah, can we bring Allie back? Allie! Um... So welcome, welcome. I know you may not have thought we we dig into the crates that deep. I yeah. saw a Google document that just said Frankie's story, and you hadn't filled it out yet. Yeah, um, and that's why. So that, yeah. So I knew that something was coming. Can you hear me? Is this happening? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, we can hear you. Sound great. Okay. okay great. So I guess some questions Stephen well, and I would like to ask would be, you know, like for an example. What are some tools, and I know these are like extreme stories, right, and extreme situations, but what could have been some tools and methods or things that we could have maybe utilized in these different moments to actually cope and deal and really feel and go through that as opposed to, oh, huh, that happened. Let me just put this over here and lock it into a box. And could I, uh, uh, adding on a little bit, if you could, I have a little bit of an understanding of some of the traumas that that you have dealt with in your past Mm -hmm. Um, and I was wondering if you could kind of outline that a little bit for us so to again kind of show 
where foundationally you were before you started implementing some of these tools. Yeah. That oh, yeah, fair. Yeah. We showed you ours. You have yeah. to show us yours. Yeah. So yeah. That's how that works. I, I feel like, um, first of all, this, I'm traumatized right now with the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 Steven, to the rescue. Okay, that's good. Yep. Closer, closer. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> so in terms, if this was like the trauma Olympics, like yes. I want to go maybe like gold, gold, silver. <laughs> like I make maybe bronze. Like Fair. Yeah, okay. But I, I think, but I think, <laughs> which is a strong finish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah. I, I just want to say, though, I think trauma is relative. Though. I do too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, think yes. everyone's experience is as traumatic as everyone else's. Do you get what I mean? 100%. Yeah, and, wanna, so, and I want to touch on that too because regardless of the story, right? Yeah. You're going to have, this is the story, this is your plot, these are your characters. The way that trauma lives in the body for all of us is the same. same right. The issues yeah. are in the tissues and then it's mm. like how we all like look it. at that. The issues in the tissues. The issues in okay. the tissues. Um, my issues were quite literally in the tissues because I had a home invasion where I Jesus. woke up to a man at the foot of my bed who bare maced me and um i write about it in the book uh my book my yoga book for teenage girls yeah (laughs) kind of starts off the way this podcast did um but i was yeah in my 20s i uh was naked the way i don't know if anyone has been bear maced i mean probably a few of you uh you know accidentally (laughs) or uh but it's bear mace comes in one of those big canisters and it's um essentially cayenne pepper uh times a bajillion and oil so the way your body absorbs, oh, wow. it is like you're burning in a vat of acid. And I couldn't see, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't, all of the things. Um, and so I had already at that point, I had found yoga when I was 18 years old. It really helped me through eating disorder recovery. I work a lot with teenage girls in the eating disorder space. At that point in my life, I had a lot of practices uh, to, to help and to ground me. But there was something about... Um, that moment and not understanding what was going on. Was I going to be killed, raped? Were things going to be... I had just no idea. I couldn't see, and he had run out. Thankfully, um, the police came, and the rest is history. I still don't know why or how or if he's here tonight in the room. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We've got a surprise for you. Come on out. (laughs) It was me, Allie. (laughs) I just rip off my head. (laughs) This show took a turn. And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Um, But I think that, to answer your question, Frankie, and like, okay, that was a really traumatic experience, and um, what the nervous system does is it goes into fight or flight, right? right? So, um, you know, you learn your friend dies, you go, your body goes to fight or flight, you know, you get taken to this awful mental hospital, your body goes into fight or flight, and your nervous system shifts into the sympathetic nervous system, which essentially is, I'm unsafe, Mm. Um, And that response, most of us live there um, for the most part. And it's a stress response. The cortisol is high in the body. So you're constantly having these feelings and these emotions. And then you go to some bullshit yoga class and like, just close your eyes and take a deep breath. (laughs) And you're like, I've been through shit. And it's, it doesn't feel safe for me to be in my body. And that was really what led me down the path in this work. And especially working with young women, women that have been raped and molested and all, you know, self-harm and eating disorder. It's like, I wanted to give young people a way to be and feel safe in their body. And the first thing 
is how to shift out of that fight-or-flight response into parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and recovery. It's where your body can digest food. It's where you can actually hear and listen what people are saying to you. Um, it's what how is to it sleep. called again? Say that again. Parasympathetic. It's your rest and digest Got it. part okay. of your nervous system. But most of us are living in this fight-or-flight responses, and then, you know, it's like crying over spilt milk or whatever. It's like, oh, shit, this thing happened, and I'm having this outrageous response. It's not mm-hmm. about the milk. It's just that I don't have enough in my body to withstand another that thing. one little thing. Another yeah. thing, another thing. Well, yeah. What are some, like, more minor physical manifestations of living in the sympathetic uh, mm. system all the time? Yeah. Um, minor would just be, yeah, being really stressed. Just, like, tension? Yeah, like, tension like, in the body, uh, like, road rage, uh, like, woo-hoo. really going off at someone. Ali's <laughs> coming uh, from L.A., so yeah, that yeah, is... Yeah. <laughs> Um, little ways like going off at your part or someone like says one thing to you and it makes you trigger something that's bigger than the thing that's that's actually happening Um, panic attacks that feeling of I'm going to get really panicky right here or um, for me it shows up still I mean I've done a shit ton of therapy it really shows up for me because my trauma is around the the nighttime and hearing a noise and someone like you know opening the front door it's gonna send me into a response where I feel terrified and my husband will say that was nothing or that was the dog and I have to find ways to calm Calm down down, because I'm shifted into this state so what I work on myself and how I teach is like, how do we get better going? Oh, I'm feeling the feeling because so often there's probably times in your life where you're going to feel a really similar feeling to the moment you found out about your friend or the moment a memory surfaces about your mother and mm-hmm. it's going to take you back there. A hundred percent. And then you're like, like you said before, okay, I don't want to feel this. And so we talk about this in the book. Often what we do is we numb or we run. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Numbing looks like, for me, it was like binging, uh, purging. So numbing was about food. Mm. Eat, 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 don't feel it. Or it's alcohol, or it's Netflix binging, or it's sex, or it's drugs, or it's like name your vice. Or love. Or love, getting mm-hmm. addicted to love. Um, but it's really, that's often, okay, here's the big feeling. And then you're either running for it. People get really addicted to exercise, to yoga, to running marathons to getting obsessed with their work and their job. That's more of the running and the numbing is more of like the substance stuff. You said something so interesting that I've never been able to verbalize in all of my years. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) she's 22, everybody (laughs) clearly. Um, But you said uh, feeling safe inside your body. I've never felt safe inside my, even like now, you know what I mean? So that's, I, I thought, I didn't realize that was a thing. I it's, thought it was just something abnormal about me. Like, why don't you ever feel safe? You know what I mean? That's yeah. bananas. It's wild. That's a real thing. Yeah, and then look at uh, then how that's affected by, you know, being in relationship, intimacy, sex, yeah. uh, feeling safe in your body. If you can't feel safe in your body and then you have a partner that's trying to love you and make you feel safe or not. There's so yeah. many dynamics that really show up mm-hmm. um, around food. Around That was always my thing was around, you know, eating and not eating and control. Uh, and that's another way I think with trauma is control. Okay, something happened to me. And I was out of control in that moment. I don't want that ever to happen again. So I'm going to be control in control. Everything. Yeah. And so w- pick your vice. We all do it. There's going to be somewhere in everyone's life where they're like, I'm going to do this thing to control because I'm so afraid it's going to get out of control. 
control because the last time it was out of control, my life was in danger. And we mm -hmm. just go back there. Even if it's not about your life in danger, that's the response in your body. So again, different plot, different characters, different things. Yeah. Even if the threat is a lot less, the way you're going to feel in your body is the exact same. That's my, so crazy. My thing is I... Uh, start having flashbacks every time they release a new Fast and the Furious movie? Um, yeah. Shut up. Yeah, you no, are, I don't know. Are you being serious right no. now? Well, okay, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me unpack that. Um, first yeah, off, please. first off, with no trauma aside, we as human beings should be upset when they make a new Fast and the Furious movie. That should be all of us. That should be universal. Faster and more furious. It's like, okay, shut up. They're putting it. Vin Diesel's kid in it now. Shut up. Make them end. They were talking about doing a, a, a Jurassic Park and Fast and the Furious mix-up. Shut up. They Shut up. You're not. hurting people. You're hurting people. No, no. Because um, when, so when my uh, friend was, uh, was murdered, right? So um, I, when my mom would prep dinner around happy hour time, we had like happy hour car chases. You're from LA, right? Mm -hmm. Like around happy hour, there's always uh, car chases on TV. It, and it was always a helicopter. Like a high speed police. Helicopter. Hot yeah, pursuit. Helicopter yeah. pursuit of a cop chasing a bunch of car, uh, ch chasing a car. And so I would always cheer for the bad guy. That was my, that was my jam, right? Because like as you do. As, <laughs> I just I cheered for the bad guy, okay? Call me. But I think when you're... I cheered for the bad guy when I was little. If you played cops and robbers and you always wanted to be the cop, then like... Gross. Well, I was a robber, dude, okay? So that was... So we didn't Deep get along. Defund the police. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> we, um, and so we were watching it, and there was this white Honda Civic that was getting away from the cops, and I was cheering for the white Honda Civic, and then I found out that that was the dude that murdered my friend. And oh. so ever since then, fast car chases where it's got this, like, this bravado-type joint. Like, every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, this is, this is disgusting. But yeah. it just, it's worse that Vin Diesel's involved. That right? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's worse that Vin Diesel is involved with my trauma, whether he knows it or not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's but, so serious, Stephen. Yeah. And I genuinely feel your pain. <laughs> But that's the most hilarious trauma trigger <laughs> I've ever heard of in my and life. And then they're going to put Jurassic Park. I liked dinosaurs before that. So you can't go to the Grand Prix. Like, you can't. No, okay, no. got I it. Like, I don't like any car chases. Um, you had, uh, coming back to the feeling safe in your body conversation, right? Uh, you had a, a, I don't know how much of the book uh, you want to, first off, I don't think we've ever said it yet, but we will have an intro at the beginning that you guys didn't hear, but it's Girlvana. We got, we got copies all of this joint. Read yeah, buy shit. some. It's, it's a very shit. special... What, it's, the, it's the book and then the candle and the shirt, right? It's the book, the candle, and the shirt. And what's really special about the box that, that we made is that the illustrations that are in the book are on the box. And oh, the up. illustrator herself is here. Shut that, up! Yeah. Hey! Her name is Chloe Devine. Chloe Devine. Uh, that's a fantastic yeah, name. Great name. Okay. And uh, and then my uh, and then another friend made these candles too. Shut so up! Is the really, candle person here? It, it, what's that? Is your candle friend here? Candle, she's not. She's she's oh, in L.A. Um, but she yeah. So the the and I've signed all the copies in the in the oh, uh, nice. box as well. So um, so yeah. Well, I wanted to say I don't know how much of the book uh, you want to cover, but one of the things when we were talking about feeling safe in your body, you had a uh, journaling exercise that you go over for that, and maybe that would be something that mm. the listeners would be oh, interested in. Oh, I'd love to in. hear that. Mm. Yeah, there's an exercise called Dear Body in the book, and it's work that I've done in a, 
for a really long time. So look, okay, you guys, seriously, I know I'm being a total weirdo, but I've literally have lived just like in fear inside yeah. of myself my whole, I didn't even know you could feel safe. I'm yeah. not even being funny. Yeah, no, I'm And so I, this I, is like, I'm super excited to hear this. Yeah, so um, it was something I kind of just started doing. I love journaling. I love the practice of journaling, and I, I was a big fan. Uh, and still am very sensitive, all feeling, I feel it all, take it all in, and words that I was not necessarily able to articulate uh, to other people, I was able to write them down. And so I kind of was just doing these exercises of dear body and like all the things I wanted to say to my body or what my body needed to hear. And it was really huge in the healing of of my eating disorder. And then when I started Girl Vana, I started 11 years ago working with teenage girls um, that were coming from all walks of life and... um, I presented the opportunity, like I presented the, the, the journaling prompt and just kind of thought like, let's see where this goes. And I mean, the letters that I've seen over the years are so profound. Um, but it's really like a peace offering to the body. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Please stop. It's like, that's so, yeah, it's an exercise in forgiveness an exercise in love. And and so much what comes up is like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like I just, was doing my best and you didn't deserve to be treated that Ugh. way. And it's really, really healing. And it's something you can come back to constantly. I could write a dear body letter tonight before I go to sleep and it's going to look different than the one I wrote a month ago and um, months before that. And I think some of you have done it. I think Chloe, you've done this exercise before. And it's like something that it always reveals itself. And, um, but really it's like, in order to heal trauma, we first have to come um, from a place of nurturing, and a lot mm-hmm. of it is the nurturing that we didn't receive, that mm-hmm. we didn't get. And so, so much of our work is not to go, you know, and we'll talk about therapy, but a lot of therapies like talk about your mom, talk about your dad, <laughs> and you want to point all these fingers and do all these things. And at some point, you have to go, okay, I needed these things from these people, and I didn't necessarily get them. How can I give these things to myself now? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the heavy. work. Yeah. One, one of my earliest traumas, when I was eight months old, I uh, had meningococcemia meningitis. Mm. And um, subsequently, gangrene in both of my feet. So they were going to amputate my feet, but I had a fever over 107 degrees. So I was in a coma for six weeks, and I died is the end of that story. Um, and then woke up. And one, being dead is my very earliest memory. I'll tell you guys about it another time. But um, I have third-degree burns over 30% of my body because my fever was so high it burned my skin. And I have uh, three toes on my right foot and four on my left foot. So I've always been very insecure Mm -hmm. about my body and the way Mm -hmm. that it looked because it looked like no one else's. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Growing up, like, I tell people this is a birthmark, but this is really a burn mark Mm. from, uh, from my fever. You know what I mean? How crazy is that? So writing this letter is going to be... A lot. Like, I'm going to need to have a therapist. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. I'm about to write this letter. Yeah. Can you just yeah. be on hold yeah. for, like, just keep, keep 15? Yeah. <laughs> Can you be on hold for, like, 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to need a good cry. Yeah, so, and take some yeah. time to process it. And, and then some people like to... Could I share it with you please? once I write I was it? just going to say, if you want me to be the one on yeah, Speed Bell, I'd love to I share would that love to you. do that for you. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. what's so remarkable, and I think it's actually kind of something that Stephen had said, it's like, where do I go with all of these things? Oh, I go and I help people yes. and I think that um, I uh, I'm not sure I have some ideas of why I was put on this planet and one of them is to hold space for people to to just witness and that's another piece of this and, and as we share our stories um, to bear witness to someone else's story mm-hmm. is innately healing 
mm. to put words and vocalize the thing that hurts the most is innately healing. So we think, oh, I'll do all these things and I got to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and drink green juice and then go to yoga and do all this. It's, you don't have to do any of those things, but you have to start telling. I don't tell- do any of those yeah, things. Yeah, don't do any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to start telling the truth about who you are um, mm. to the people who are safe. Oh, say that again. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah. It's so hard though. So I used to work in corporate America for a lot of years. I was an executive director for talent acquisition for several different tech companies. And I remember walking in that space and being around these very highly intelligent, very accomplished people. And though I fit in with them, I didn't feel like I did. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I couldn't be who I was around these people. And I always felt afraid that they were going to find me out. They're going to know what I've been through and then look at me in some different way. So what you're saying is so very true. Being able to, to be around people mm-hmm. that know who and what you are mm-hmm. and, that, and to know that you're safe in that space mm-hmm. is incredibly powerful and yeah. important. We do this exercise on retreat, and it's another journaling prompt in the book, but it's called, if you really knew me, you would know. Mm, and we sit girl. in a circle, so you can imagine... Okay. <laughs> You know, 16 teenagers and four other women that are there for this week-long retreat. Um, And you write, you finish the sentence, and it's not like, I have a cat named Fred. It's like, (laughs) go go say the biggest, you know, the the biggest thing. And you crinkle up that piece of paper. It goes in the circle. And then you pick up a a different piece of paper. And then someone else... says out loud your oh, story oh. so you get to hear I it. I have chills everywhere yeah. <laughs> right now. Anybody else, uh, right? And then everyone oh. just hold, we call it holding space which is essentially um, you're just breathing in your own body and you're just allowing that person's story to just hang in the air and then everyone takes a deep collective breath in and out and you just feel it, and then you just go to the next. And it is like, um, yeah, the most profound moments of my life have happened in those circles over the last 11 years and in the, the stories I've been able to hear and listen to. Um, and what happens, especially when you make it anonymous in that way, we've done it multiple ways where it's not, but um, when it's anonymous in that way, people go, oh, <laughs> I thought I was so fucked up. Here's mm-hmm. my shit, and I'm so afraid, and I'm so... I feel so wrong, bad, I'm broken, I need to be fixed, I'm this big problem that will never be solved. And then everyone just says the thing, and like you said, it's not, you know, it's not whose trauma is more, you know, better or worse, but it's just the idea that you feel less alone, and I think that's really what we're trying to do in all of this, is like, not be perfect and not heal into perfection, but just essentially to be known um, is one of the most powerful things to be known. Oh my yeah. God. Say that again. Yeah. Okay. You like, brought out known. so many, <laughs> no, but you have brought out so many black women onomatopoeias out of me. It's not even fun. I'm just like, mm-hmm, say what? Like it's, this is, <laughs> this is, <laughs> and I, I know it's, I'm being cheeky and funny, but I'm being so serious. Like you've, I've just had so many moments with you in this moment, and I, I thank you. That's amazing. Um, one of the things that uh, Frankie and I, as comedians that have you know gone through some shit, there's definitely you know with this DIY mental health situation, one of the things that we do is we look for the validation of strangers on a regular basis. We, we go in front of <laughs> hundreds of strangers at a time, and we're just it's like, so delicious. I hope they all like me. Like, I, like I hope they nom, all. Nom, 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 I nom, hope nom. they all like me. 
And, <laughs> and, it's, and it's this thing that... Can I cut you off there for just one half a second? Because okay, well, a... only if they say that they like me. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know if this happens to you, but I feel like most comics experience this, because what you're saying is 100% true. Mm. But have you noticed that no matter if... You could be in front of hundreds of people. If there's one person Ooh. anywhere that's just like, mm, you don't care about the 99 people that are like, woo, you're like, oh, no, this motherfucker I'll right on, here. I'll be, I'll, yeah. I'll be on the train, and I'll be like, what was wrong, wrong with, with that, that dude? dude? Yeah, it's so, it's so like, bananas. What? Oh, yeah. It's what? So Why bananas. didn't he like me? Everyone loves you except that one freaking dude. <laughs> I knew yeah. I had to change my shoes. <laughs> right, like, I, just, right. I shouldn't have worn shorts. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Steven. Well, it's this thing that... Uh, <laughs> Um, I would find myself on a lot of, in a lot of situations where I was like in a bad mental space where I was like, let's go, let's go find a stranger, right? Like, like I was in October 2020, I was in a bad spot, right? I had pandemic brain. I was thinking oh, pandemic, everything, right? And I, and so I was like, I need human interaction. I need to go communicate with another human being that I can just connect with. So I got on Hinge, of right? Of course, because that's where you go. Stupid. You get the like, app to delete it. Hello. Right? Like, Clearly can, it works. People can, <laughs> people can be on a dating app and be in a good mental space, but nobody's in a good mental space when they download a dating app. Like, never. You're never, never like, you're thing. never like, I'm feeling so fulfilled. I want to go have sex with a stranger. Like, <laughs> it's like, like, never happened. Like, it's just not the case. And so, like, I was just in a bad spot. And so I was like, yo, the first person you match with, go get drinks with her. You just need human connection. Stop thinking about all those pandemic brain stuff. And so I, we match. Can we I decide- say the thing of what happened when you walked up? When you came yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but first, I'm not going to go to the date. I almost, the day of, I almost bail. And then I'm walking up, and I'm like, I'm just like, yo, just be positive, be positive. And she's wearing... Cat ears. She had on... She was wearing cat, cat ears. ears. It was not Halloween. It was not. And this is an adult human woman in, in a public space. On a first date? That first impressions are ears. everything, and you fucked it up. Was- Unironically. Okay, I was, in my head, I was like, I was like, Stephen, you're being negative. She could be quirky cat ear lady. Maybe she makes muffins for the office, Stephen. Like, just don't give her a chance. Give her a chance, Stephen. And, and I show up. I was wrong. Hinge is designed to be deleted. That is their slogan. I fucking deleted it. I deleted it. It was, it was in, while I was in the bathroom. It was, I was like, this is the worst experience of my life. And I was just trying so hard to just be positive. I was she like, had on cat ears. Yeah, cat I feel ears. Like How am I going to take this whole series? And so I was just giving her, like, layups of positivity I was just like I, I was like yo how was your day she's like my day was fine how was your day and I was like my day was good she's like even though the world around you is crumbling oh I was no like, god damn it no please stop and I was trying so hard I was like this salsa is so good she's like even though you, do you even know where these tomatoes came from what? environmental degradation slave labor I'm like but there's slaves in the tomatoes like I was just thinking about pandemic stuff and now I gotta think about tomato slaves and I was like <laughs> I was just like oh my god your outfit's so beautiful she's like oh really this is H&M fast fashion slave labor environmental degradation like, damn it just let me just please wait a minute steven is this the same woman with the black face oh yeah oh, well. <laughs> wait a minute wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. she didn't wait, she didn't wait, have wait. black face technically she, it, she but literally she did she was like okay so she was she was like um everything she was always looking for ways to be more upset with where she was at right and so she's like um She's like, uh, you know, I've been going on anti-gentrification Facebook groups, right? It all black Facebook groups. And she was a white, right? She's wearing cat ears. Like, you, she was obviously a white. And, so, <laughs> and, and, 
And so listen to what she did though. I was like, I was like, wait, so you just go on there as, and you're the only white person? She's like, no, I made a black Facebook. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, what, what do you mean? And, she, and like at this point in time, I'm drinking a I drink a lot of margaritas. Okay, to make her bearable. Hold on and a second. For everyone listening that can't see, everyone's mouth is gaped open. It's just a gape. Like, just like yours is right now. Keep going, she, Steven. She made a black Facebook. She made black Facebook friends. She went on black Facebook groups. That's digital black Facebook, right? That's not <laughs> okay. Isn't that the most <laughs> bizarre thing you've ever heard? <laughs> How can you be so woke and so wrong right. simultaneously? <laughs> like, what's happening, sis? While I was horrified, all that came out of my mouth was like, so what are they saying? You know, like, I just, I was like, I was, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> How do we fix this? Um, and so it's just this thing that, like, I know, like, that is funny, but it is this thing that, like, very often I will go into this thing of, like, go find a stranger to connect with that, the, and whether it's a whole crowd of people, whether it's a date that'll go on when I'm not in a good place mentally. It is something that I've been working on. Uh, and it's actually, to, to your point where you're talking about the bearing witness thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, like I said, very early in the therapy journey. But a lot of materials come out of it. And I've been talking a lot of, a lot of stuff on stage yeah. that I wasn't really brave enough to talk about on stage. Mm-hmm. And the reaction from I audiences gave them is strength. Been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've also been doing Pilates to That's get true. stronger, but the <laughs> um, but but a lot of people are coming up after shows, and people are not in a good place mentally right now. Nope. They're yeah. just not right. I mean, for fucking obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and it is this thing that people are starting to come up and just be like, I thank you, like thank mm. you for saying that, and thank you for you know being vulnerable or whatever. And I was like. Oh man, no! It was a mental breakdown you just watched. Like that was like <laughs> I was like, I, no, thank you for even listening and not throwing tomatoes at me because that was crazy. Because you know doing. those were made from slaves. Okay, yeah. sorry. That was an opportunity for a callback. Yeah, I, I do the same thing though. Like I, I, I don't know to the. I guess dating too. Like it's nice to have someone think that you're pretty or whatever. Oh yeah. But I do it more. Like I need immediate attention. Like when I was eleven. <laughs> When I was 11, I, I saw these, like, older boys on the playground, and I'm like, they're pretty hot. I bet if I do a death drop off the monkey bars, they'll think, they'll, they'll think I'm super cool. That's not how attracting men works. I didn't know that. I was 11. So I climb up there, and the whole time I'm, like, making sure they're looking, making sure they're looking, and they're looking like, I wonder what this idiot's about to do. And so, you know, does everyone know what a death drop is? No. Okay. Well, let me tell you. It's the most dangerous thing you can do as a child. Hell you cli- yeah. You climb up on, like, the monkey bars or even, like, the single bar, and you sit on it, and then you let go of your hands, and you fall backwards, and ideally, you'll flip, and your feet will land on the ground. Can I just one note? Yeah. Um, you... you- <laughs> You already told a story about uh, being put in a body bag and being beaten up by security guards, and then you're like, and then a death drops, the craziest <laughs> thing that could happen to a kid. <laughs> this, I was 11, so before that, oh, sure, true, this, true, that happened true. when I was 14. Oh, true, so true, 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 yeah. It's the craziest I, thing that I was an old cow by then. Yeah. Come on. So, so you sit on the thing, like how, you, how I'm sitting here, right? And then you just fall backwards, and you let your feet swing off, and then you land on your feet perfectly, like an Olympic gymnast, Sure. And then you throw your hands in the air, and then everyone cheers, and the two hot boys give you their number. That's what typically happens. I forgot to release my feet. So I just landed face first in the dirt, 
And then when I came to, because I was knocked out, these two boys are trying to save my life and pull dirt and rock out of my mouth. <laughs> they did not think I was cool, but the ambulance workers were very nice. Yeah, they were did, did you very, get very that kind. Number? Yeah. No, I no. didn't. Yeah, no. And they probably shouldn't have been giving me their numbers anyway. They were significantly older. The, the ambulance <laughs> guys or... But yeah, so I completely relate to that. What do you have any what does that come from, that need for attention or affection or I mean I for the record I'm not a therapist, but a therapist would probably tell you Look, I've been therapizing yeah. myself, <laughs> yeah. so I feel like you're way more <laughs> yeah. qualified than what I've been, been doing. Us bouncing stupid shit off <laughs> oh, each yeah. other. So, uh, so what do you think, Steven? So <laughs> what do you think? Do you think I'm good? And that's my yeah, question is, good. did you give get a number? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think the question is uh, first, wh- why do you th- what do you think it is? Uh, oh, I definitely think it's neglect I experienced growing up. So this is this is a sad story, but it's funny. There was another thing I used to do when I was little, like four or five, six years old. Anytime we would be at my mom's house, she always had like these big houses. I would go late at night and hide somewhere, like right before mm-hmm. bedtime, waiting for everyone to start searching for me and the police to be called and this big yeah. deal to be made. And I would just wake up in the closet yeah. the next day. <laughs> yeah. So, which sounds sad, but it's hilarious. So I think it's yeah. definitely all a, yeah. a cumulative yeah. of all of those things, for sure. I think all of us on some level are just waiting for people to, to see us, feel us, hear us. Like, it's really all the, the work that I do is just val- validating yeah. young people's experience any any age but validating someone's experience and and it comes back to to feeling worthy enough to be known worthy Ugh. enough to be seen worthy enough to be found yeah. in that experience <laughs> oh, right. you know what i mean like found physically in the <laughs> house in the closet me. but like <laughs> uh, you know and i and i think that um uh, it comes back to that same idea of our work being how do i see myself how do i find myself how do yeah. i hear myself um because that's what most of us do we we all probably have an experience of looking outside of ourselves to go hello over here because mom wasn't there dad wasn't there whoever and then we grow up and then what do we do we create that same pattern in relationship then you go and date someone else that well can you see me can you validate me can you hear me um and then we create all these patterns previous to meeting my husband i was always dating and just assholes and and ones that were like bright and shiny over here and i had to just tap dance and be really perfect and was really creating a lot of my childhood of you know dad over here oh yeah over here and so i was chasing that constantly in relationship and i was just it was the same dude with a different name right and we probably see that a lot in our dating histories it's like oh i'm just that's that same pattern again um until i was ready to heal it and look at like to stop going for the person that was neglecting ignoring me and my dad's a really cool guy some of you guys know him he's awesome but that was just like a lot of what was going on in my childhood because he was working a ton and etc etc so i think that um, what we're seeking outwardly, we need to seek Inward. inwardly. Mm. And it's hard work because it's like, do I want to sit here on a Friday night sunken into my loneliness? But or so do I want to go on hinge and get like a hit mm-hmm. right. of something <laughs> to make me feel a certain way? Yeah. Um, and, it's, and here's the thing. It's, let's not make those things bad or wrong. 
uh, oh, I did that pattern again. I must really suck. No, it's just every time you come around to it, you go, oh, I'm doing that thing again. And it's not a hamster wheel. We think, oh, I'm doing this thing again, this pattern. It's a spiral staircase. And every time oh. you hit it, you have a little bit more awareness. Even if it's one step, a little more awareness each time you come back. Oh, I like that. I feel like staircase. it's almost like one of those weird-ass paintings where the stairs go all oh, the way. Oh, it's like the top turvy Because it's, like, if, it's if it's not Hinge, you're on Instagram. If it's not Instagram, you're on Facebook. If it's not Facebook, yeah. you're you're calling people. Like you just have yeah. this little supercomputer in front of you all the time. That it yeah. is an adult pacifier. Anytime yes. you're feeling 100%. any sort of yeah. emotion, yeah. you just got this phone yeah. right in front of your face that can just give you yeah. an answer to yeah. any of the questions. Yeah, like yeah. let's be clear that the this whole healing game is work. <laughs> sure, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. really hard work sometimes yeah. and it gets easier um but so much of the work was I, I talk about a lot a lot about it in the book is staying with what is uncomfortable and even if yeah. it's just start slow oh i'm having this thought and it's uncomfortable i'm gonna acknowledge that i have the thought and then i'll go distract myself and sometimes you get a little the minute five minutes Maybe this 10 minutes being in my body was so uncomfortable. Can I lie here with my hand, one hand here, one hand here, and just breathe a few deep breaths and tell myself I'm safe in the moment? And it's just these slow ways of being able to sit with the discomfort mm. until it gets less uncomfortable. It's like looking under the bed under like, oh, there's a boogeyman Oh, where here. all the monsters are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they're not there. Or, or the lights turn on. It's kind of what consciousness is. The lights get turned on, and then the ego goes, oh, I'm just going to shrink and disappear. Mm. Um, and so a lot of that is, is working with your mind and going, okay, I'm having these uncomfortable thoughts. I'm having these uncomfortable feelings. Okay, my pattern is to now eat my face off, drink my face off, or whatever whatever it is, what if I don't do that? Or maybe even just for five minutes, don't do that and then do the pattern. It's just like each time you come around to it, there's a little bit more awareness. Can I, so there's one thing that really scares me about this mental health journey, right? That um, a lot of my drive comes from unhealthy catalysts, right? Whether it's I'm the only one that made it out alive from my hood that yeah. I need to like carry them, right? Or that uh, that a lot of my drive comes from, like, if you don't stop, you'll die kind of a yeah. thing. And that's very unhealthy, but I'm very scared that the work ethic goes away mm-hmm. as I become more conscious of my feelings. Like as you get healthier? You'll, almost right. like how Eminem felt like he lost his powers when he got sober? Mm-hmm. You mean the... the uh, Eminem, the, the rapper. Red and yellow guys? Oh, got it, yes. Did you just say the red and yellow guys? I thought because you didn't see those Eminem guys for a while. There was the, there was the Santa there commercial. We, there there was the Santa commercial. <laughs> then there were like 10 years you didn't see the Eminems. No, no Eminem, rehab. the rapper, once he got sober, he had a hard time making art because sure. he was afraid he wasn't going to be the same artist he was mm-hmm. as a sober person. As Which he unfortunately, was he was I don't think he is. He is now. Don't <laughs> talk to me about Eminem. We will fist fight. Oh, yeah, she, we will Tuesday night dance fight to the death. She really likes Eminem. Yeah, love him. Okay. Sorry. Didn't his mom just open a restaurant? I, he just yeah. opened a restaurant. Oh, it's him. And then he went and surprised his patrons. Okay, we'll talk about okay. it later. So <laughs> I love this question and this idea. And there is this book called The Artist's Way. I don't know if anyone has read it, but Ooh. she talks about this idea of the tortured artist. And so many of us that are like, we need to be so tortured to make good art. And it's a myth, but we've just seen it a lot, right? Yeah. And so she has a really, I was so inspired by this book and it really helped me finish my book towards the end when I was feeling quite blocked. But um, there, 
so yes, that is a story. It does exist and probably did create motivation and we've seen it across the board in many people's lives. When you start to really do the work and you feel like you are being more vulnerable, like what you had said, and being more vulnerable on stage and people are relating and connecting to it, you are through telling your story healing and people are having an even deeper response to you because you're being more human and more real. Interesting. Okay. So healing is not now I'm perfect and bland and there's nothing to talk about. Healing is messy and life is messy. It will always continue to be messy. And I would, I think that the rawness and the humanness in doing this work is probably going to make you even funnier if it's possible. Oh my even God. funnier. Let's not get ahead of us. Okay. <laughs> um, but I witnessed that in my own career, in my own teaching. It was when I started teaching girl Vana, I was like, namaste. My name is Almas, and I would love to teach you yoga. And teenagers are like 16 being like, fuck you. <laughs> like 40 kids in a gym. Like, yeah, right. And once I started telling my story and letting things get really messy and was like, oh, I like was eating and throwing up because I, I couldn't handle what was going on in my world, in my life. And teenagers are like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, and I don't do that anymore because these are the things I do. They're like, huh. And so my commitment to just getting healthier and healing opened up a whole avenue mm. for my life. Not only to, I would hope feel more inspiring, but it's, I enjoy my life a lot more because I'm not haunted by all my demons. Yeah. <laughs> and now I can talk about all of those things in a way. I'm like, kind of like, we're like, Oh, we got broken into. And this is that you can speak about all these things, but they have less of a charge. Mm. You you're know, not triggered every time you talk about it. Yeah. We say like yeah. when you're teaching, you're teaching from the scar instead of the wound. Uh, and so that's kind of, like that. I would think it would be the same in terms of how you are all, all sharing your stories yeah. and what you're doing, you're healing. And, also, the most important thing in all of this, we're not healing for ourselves as, as an individual. We're healing for the collective. So when Ooh, you do that. your work as a mother, mm -hmm. guess who benefits from My that? My daughter. Yes, for sure. Right? Our families, yeah. our partners, our friends, society. So I look at this as like, it's not just like, oh, and heal and get cute and perfect. It's like heal so you can break all this generational trauma, yes. all of this lineage that's moving through us. I know that the world is f crumbling and burning, but like, let's give it our best shot sure. <laughs> to at least try to figure some things out. And our, the depth in which you're able to, to do your work is also the depth you're able to let these hinge women into your life to know you <laughs> and love, love you. These hinge hoes. Okay. These hinge hoes. I'm going to write a very good bio tonight. <laughs> Hold on. Before, before we, I know you guys are going to be shocked because when I looked at the time I was, we are actually at the end of the show. Um, and what, I know. Oh, man. But before we go, one of the things, we don't typically do this, and so I'm super excited to do it. We wanted to open the floor and give our audience an opportunity to ask questions of any of us about anything. It can be on topic. It can be off topic. But we want you to just connect with the show and whatever you feel in your heart. If you want to just give a testimony, sure, we would love to hear it. Um, or ask a question, please. So we will now, is that cool with you guys? Yeah. Yeah, let's open the floor. Does anyone... I feel like someone has Comments, a question, question, statement, anything. Please share but with us. We'd love to hear something you heard it. and you're like, what did they really just say? Just ask. Just, yeah. just, just. I know someone's got a question and you guys are nervous to ask it, but I promise you, we are super open books. You look like you have a question. Nope. No. Yes, you. <laughs> yeah, both of you. Yes. <laughs> All three of you. Everyone that I'm pointing at. Technically, they asked me with a question mark at the end of it. That was a that question. That was a question. 
Okay, okay yes. So I moved to my research before I came either. No, you're fine. <laughs> sure. Um, so I've been a f- I've been a fundraiser for about ten years, and my master's is in social enterprise with a focus in food systems and food security. One hour. It took an hour for him to tell us about his master's. That's I've been waiting. Okay, but because she was asked, she asked. It comes up more times than I would like it to come up. I'd be like, Stephen, you didn't tip this waitress. I have a master's. I just, <laughs> um, but but I, I've been involved in the nonprofit space for a long time, and it is something that uh, I had a problem where I was starting nonprofit, uh, starting to work with a lot of nonprofits in a bunch of different spaces, and there was too much shit going on. Where um, while I was always doing comedy at the same time, and uh, Frankie and I have worked on a couple different projects that are fundraisers together, and at the beginning, well, of the we've pandemic, been wanting to work together for like for seven sure. years. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And then the pandemic hit, and then Stephen called me up like, yo, homie. And I was like, whoa, can that's you not how, black speak at yeah, me? Yeah, that's how I talk and to I was her. <laughs> that's how I, I talk very black. <laughs> if, you ha- if you can't tell, I love busting his balls. My favorite pa- That sounded weird. Yeah, anyway. Yep. yep. Um, he called While me I up call and, her homie. <laughs> he called me up and, su- and suggested a podcast. And then we came, this came up. And we figured out the name, and we've just been doing it ever since. Yeah. It's been awesome. And, and so it's something that we're actually really excited about because on, on one hand, it is a podcast where we're able to showcase different work that people are doing. But on the other hand, it is a fundraising platform where you can give to whatever nonprofit that we're working with. And on another hand, it is also a marketing tool for a lot of these brand activations that we're doing. So we're starting to work with, much, uh, with a lot of bigger companies like Lululemon. Give it up one more time for Lululemon. Yes, please. Right? Yes. Um, and the fact that y'all are giving us this opportunity to talk really doesn't mean a lot. And um, e- equally as important, um, as Ali mentioned before, and I think we've all kind of touched on it, but having the opportunity to share certain stories and kind of infuse some levity into it. I, I tell people all the time when they're like, thank you for sharing that story. I'm like, well, it's not really my story. It's our story. We've, we were all going through the same or similar. And it's so nice to hear, not that you want someone to go through trauma, but it's very comforting to know that you're not the only one. You're not by yourself. So for that as well, I think this has been a, a wonderful ride we've been on. For sure, yeah. And if, yeah. And if uh, we didn't have crowds to tell it about, we'd be telling people about it on the subway. And that Literally, would be, we've yeah. done that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so that would be weird. And, so, um, it, and, and you had a question. I'm sorry. Does that answer your question? Cool. Awesome. You had a question. Yeah, d- bring it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh fuck! I this is the opening. This is the yeah, story. I, I didn't tell think it, we were gonna tell, tell this story. So um, it's <laughs> funny. It's funny, but it's not. Um, so oh, it's hilarious. So it's so really, like really funny. for the longest time, I didn't want to go to therapy because I didn't want to start pulling at these strings, right? And it's it's a lot. You know, twenty twenty three friends is a lot, and. So to start pulling at those strings was very painful, and I didn't want to do it. And I also didn't want to be treated as, like, a case study. Like, I didn't want, like, some professor of psychology to be, like, you know, write, writing notes and shit on me, right? And so I had told my friend we'd, uh, about some of the stuff, and she was like, you should really, 
you got to do therapy. And I was like, well, but I, I, I just don't want, like, that professor. And she's like, I know this person that's, like, super unprofessional. <laughs> and and I, was like, I was like, that's my girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me, hit, hit me with that unprofessional shit. And so um, I was wrong. Um, I went too far in the unprofessional direction. So basically, I, uh, I started texting with this lady. Uh, to set up, like, our first appointment. And uh, I send her my insurance about an hour into texting. And an hour later, she sends me back a screenshot of a Facebook picture of a 19-year-old girl and a 19-year-old boy. From 10 years ago. From 10 years ago, both on the beach. And I was like, huh, confusing. And then, bah, a whole Word document worth of text, which there was no... Uh, typing. It was iPhone to iPhone, and there was no typing, which means she had written it all out in notes, she had proofread it a bunch of times, and she was ready to copy and paste that shit. And so, um, <laughs> it was to her ex-boyfriend, and what? I, and, and so, I received, and so it starts off with, um, this picture is from ten years ago, when you claimed to have loved me, you didn't even like the fucking picture. Pause. <laughs> Pause really quick. Just to give you a little bit more context, this is his therapist, potential therapist. Not even yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not potential even therapist. therapist. This was 10 years ago. This is a man she's not currently with. And the little cherry on top, she's married to a whole other dude yeah. in this moment. What? So, okay, go ahead. So <laughs> top part of this Word document where the text is, is how much of a piece of shit this dude is. Bottom half is telling her how well... How, how well she's doing, right? No. It, oh, which, I don't know if you've ever run into an ex in the, in the wild. If they, open <laughs> up, if they open up right away and start telling you how well they're doing, they're not doing well. They're not, <laughs> the, the worst thing that you could do to that person is just be like, I'm so happy for you, and then just leave the conversation because they're not doing well. They're lying to you. And I still saw her. Like, I still, because I, well, I had put this mental stake down in my head where I was like, sometimes, like, I, I don't know if y'all do this, but Sometimes there's this thing that you have to do. You go to the doctors. You have to start working out. And you have to put this, like, mental stake down that no matter what sort of negative thoughts infiltrate your brain, you're like, no, this is my stake. I'm going to do this shit. And so that was therapy for me. I was like, like, you know what? You've talked your way out of this for for, for 32 years, right? And so I was just like, you got to go. You got to just don't. This is this is peanuts this is fine this is she you wanted unprofessional and so i went and she was way worse than i thought um she so in real life she she uh therapy was at her house because she's unprofessional and so and so um i show up five minutes so i get a text uh 15 minutes before the thing i'm like yo the train's going slow i'm gonna be like five minutes late she's like cool take your shoes off shoot me a text when you get in the living room and i'll come right out word and so i go in and I text her, and I see the phone in this pitch black room. Da-da, make a noise. Okay, nothing. Text her, da-da, nothing. And then I call my friend who had linked us up. I was like, yo, like, this lady's like, not even here. And I was like, do I go upstairs? Because it was like, maybe her apartment's upstairs. Nothing. I call her three different times. I see the phone, da-da, da-da, da-da. And then I finally just yell this lady's name 35 minutes into my allotted time. I say, yo, Vanessa. And she wakes the fuck up. She was sleeping. She, she went to sleep sleep after he texted her i'm 15 minutes away what she was in the pitch black how room did, the whole how time did you get into rem what did you do like I, did you yeah, right. hypnotize yourself that fast she, what's happening sis she, i should have got sleep lessons oh but then she tries to tell you oh yeah she, yeah she was like she was like 
she pops up. She's like, Stephen, you're 35 minutes late. He's like, no, no, bitch, I'm not. I'm not 35 minutes late. She's, she's like, oh, my God, I slept. That's so embarrassing. Just so you know, we have a hard stop at four. Uh, so, so No, we don't. <laughs> so that's first, first therapy session. And I still saw her again. I saw her again. Because in my head, I was because she, she did this like fadeaway jump shot right at the end. She was like, you only date people that show their trauma because you don't know how to show your trauma and you're attracted to that. And I was like, oh, you got me at the end. She's like, smart. I was like, I was like, oh. It was like a cliffhanger. She cliffhanged him, you know. Fuller. <laughs> uh, Ow, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, actually, my first book review came from a man. And what I nice. thought was so interesting, because the book is for, for Gen Z, but I, for female-identified Gen Z, and it was actually really sweet because he was like, Allie is selling herself short. This book is for everyone. And it is. It truly is. But I, you know, I speak to the specific experience of the coming of age. But um, I feel like the main themes in my work are all to do with self-validation, going inside and feeling and knowing and understanding that you are worthy and I think that's like, you know, sounds like a Pinterest quote or like a thing you'd buy at home, live, laugh, love, you know, like yeah. these ideas <laughs> that feel like kind of trite. Um, but really for us to understand that um, you can wait around your whole life waiting to, to heal, to be known, to be seen, or you can choose yourself. Um, and that's it. <laughs> I dig that. Okay, yeah. so before we go, does any, we'll take one can, more question. Can I, can I say one thing no the, ther- the therapy thing I just wanted to because because you opened up and asked about therapy I, I started off where it got really bad I just wanted to fast forward that I after I tested out this one person found out that she was horrid I did find a new person and he's so wonderful and it has been uh, everything that I needed it to be it has been the outlet that uh, I needed to so if you want to chat afterwards, I didn't want to leave a sour taste but about there. But he does cry during your session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cry. I cry. No, now. not you. Your therapist oh, cries yeah, yeah. during your my session. Therapist, <laughs> my therapist cries. That's my therapist cries when I tell him stories. No, he, 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 he cries when I tell him stories, and I realize like I'm so fucking good at stories. You know, like, I'm, like, I'm, I, that like this dude listens to sob stories day in day out. I'm the only dude making him sob. You know, that's pretty impressive. But. It, but it's it is so so effective and it is uh, everything that I needed it to be and it sucked at the beginning just like it sucks to start working out just like it sucks mm-hmm, to yeah. like you know there's so much stuff that really sucks but it's worth it mm-hmm. um, so I just didn't want to leave a bad taste mm-hmm. in your mouth about therapy um, awesome very very new to it but it is uh, everything that I needed it to be I'm sorry. so no you're fine so we'll take one more okay awesome we'll take your question but once he's finished the question Allie if you would. To close the show, mm. can you can you take us all on a quick breathing thing? Yeah. Yay! Okay. And then after that, if you could tell our listeners like where they can find you and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Is that cool? You yes. Bet. Okay. Yeah. Your question, sir. Uh, okay, cool. I was just gonna ask for like any like upcoming comedians like leaning into their truth or that like well kind of mentioned prior. Oh nice. Um I would like to shout out Frankie French. 
<laughs> you can actually see me all weekend at the cellar if you're yeah, hanging yeah. out, if you're around. Yeah, I'll yeah. be there all weekend. Um, and then... Uh, and Steven. I mean, Jay Jordan is really great. Yeah, um, If you're sure. not familiar with him. Starting out, it's going to be... It's gonna be fucking hard. I mean, it's it's um the thing that a lot of uh, that I've heard a lot reiterated through a lot of comedians is that uh, it's a good five to seven years before you've really like found your voice on stage, and that um, there's it takes a long time before the person that you are on stage and the person that you uh, you're kind of very often doing like an impression of who you wish that you could be on stage when you start. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. And so then you start doing impressions of comics you like. For sure. I'm not I, even being funny. Like, I, start, I, started, I started with that side. Where, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you know Mitch Hedberg, but, like, my first set, somebody, when I got off stage, like, oh, my God, you sound exactly like Mitch Hedberg. He's a heroin <laughs> addict. Uh, that, <laughs> that, 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 that um, but I, um, it is very new, especially while trying to do the, whatever, the mental health joint right now, but it's also... Because of the pandemic and, and because of a lot of stuff that's going on, there's so much more of an appetite for it where mm-hmm. um, a lot of the shit that I was talking about on stage was much sillier and much uh, lighthearted. Um, I think it's getting a lot darker, but, it, but, I, but I'm, because I'm seeing an appetite for it and people are being much more open to receiving it, I don't know if you see that as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like when you say you come off stage and people... But, but bef- even before that, I was doing these mom jokes, these jokes about parenting and how sure. much it sucks. Um, <laughs> well, no, no, hold on. Sorry. Rewind. My daughter is awesome, and I love her. At the same time, there are moments, like we as women, we know this as women, if you have children, even if you don't, if you don't have kids, people judge you. If you do have kids, other moms judge you. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, well, are you giving them all organic pants? No, bitch. Sometimes it's Fruit Loops. You know what I mean? It's because I'm freaking tired. But I would come off stage and moms would be crying. Like, thank you for saying that. Not that I don't love my kid, but sometimes you don't like them. And that's okay to say and feel. It's okay to say that. You always love them. But I think like Stephen was saying, there's definitely an appetite for it. It's growing. And if you're wondering what it takes to get there, I think the first step is being being resolved to whatever that experience is that you want to share. Like, I wanted to talk about my mom on stage for a long time, but I wasn't okay with it. I wasn't at peace with it. And so I couldn't talk about it because every time I did, I would start crying. And no one wants a comic to be on stage like, (laughs) (laughs) and this other time, like, no one wants to see that. I promise. So (laughs) if you've dealt with that demon or that situation or, or whatever it was, sure, bring it to the stage. May not be funny the first time. But just get it out, say the words, mm-hmm. and as you say it, you'll find where the funny is, where you can infuse a little bit of levity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Allie. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. To make us breathe, yeah. bitch. Breathe, okay. bitch. Okay. Breathe, bitch. Okay. That's what All they right. call me. Okay. So okay. Uh, if it's comfortable for you, you can close your eyes. If it's not, that's fine. You can just soften your gaze and relax your shoulders and feel your jaw. Just relax. Maybe the tongue is stuck up on the roof of your mouth. So literally relax your tongue into the palate. And then just start to pay attention to where your breath is living in your body. You don't have to fix it or change it. You just have to notice it. And as you bring awareness to the breath, you can just slowly start to deepen it. So you'll inhale through the nose and see if you can find the journey of the breath. It'll move through the nostrils into the airways and start to fill the lungs. 
And as you exhale, you breathe out and feel your body just drop a little bit more. So whatever surface is currently holding your body uh, really comes up to meet you. So you don't have to hold your body up. And once you have that rhythm or cadence of your breath, I'm going to ask you to meet me on the exhale. So just breathe all of that breath out, and I'm going to count you in. So we're going to inhale, two, three, four, hold your breath, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold it, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold your breath, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four. Keep going like that for a few more rounds. This is called box breathing. This is one of these breathing exercises that can shift us out of fight or flight into rest and digest. This is a place where the body can recover and feel at ease. And when we breathe in a pattern in this way, what's happening is that your mind has no other job other than to focus on the counts. So it creates a sense of clarity and presence. See if you can take one more round. And when you finish that last hold, you can begin to breathe normally. And when you come back into the regular breathing pattern, just simply observe how you feel now without needing to judge it or label it or just let it be there. And then you can take one more deep breath in and then part the lips and exhale through the mouth. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Oh my God, bitch. (laughs) Okay, first of all, we go together now. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) You need to talk about talk to your husband about a throuple and I need to get a divorce. Like that was amazing. feel so freaking good. And that's like, what, that's two so minutes. Crazy. You could do this on the bus. You can do this on the train. You can do this driving. Oh, you can do this wow. before bed is really powerful. Yeah, in a stressful yeah. moment. Like, these are the tools. They're free. They're, yeah. This is why I think the wellness industry is bullshit. And as someone oh who's been in God. it for 15 years, is these tools are free. They're right. They're in your back pocket. Where can people find you? How can they connect with yeah. you on social media? So I'm Ali Maz um, on Instagram and Girlvana Yoga. Can, can you spell both for yeah, us? Yeah, A L L Y M A Z and Girlvana is G I R L V A N A Yoga Y O G A. Um, oh my God! Can you guys give it up for Ali Ma- Maz? Give it up for Ali. And keep it going for Lululemon. Yes. I am Frankie French. And I'm Stephen Campbell. And this has been The Nonprofits. Yeah, thank thank you you very much. much. Guys, I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, Yo, also, Frankie French on Instagram, Stephen Campbell Comedy on Instagram. And Uh, Frankie is spelled F-R-A-N-Q-I. So please follow. And and if I can say one thing, uh, we had like a year and a half we weren't able to get in front of live audiences. And uh, to have you guys here, to be able to be in front of you guys really does mean more than you know. Um, and this is our first live podcast. We've never done this live before. Yeah, yeah. cool. We're, yeah, we're, we're, we're. now. Oh, no, this is the very first time we've ever this done this This is the first live, time we haven't so, done it on yeah. Zoom. 
only time we've never done on Zoom, so this is really well, amazing. Thank what you an so honor. much, Allie. Uh, yeah, Thank the honor. Sincerely you appreciate guys. you guys. Give it up for Allie one more time. Thank you, guys. And thank you, Fuller. Thank you, Fuller. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Okay, wait, what? <laughs>